everybody, this is Perch, and I'm here with Joe Corallo. How are you doing? I'm all right, Perch. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm excited to do this retrospective, even though I'll bet there's a collective groan from a lot of people when they first see this. So, yeah, no, this is probably going to be the most downvoted uh, retrospective. I would say so. I'm hoping people just at least give us a few minutes to make the case because I think sure. uh, it's an interesting. Th this is an interesting series because I think a lot through a lot of people they're viewing it through other comics at this point, and yeah, that's, I think the problem. But. That that's a problem. I and I don't think you know. Again, I, I don't want to sound gatekeepery, but I think <laughs> a lot of the people who are very critical of this comic never read this comic. I agree. I, I think what they've done is they've heard a lot of other people talk about it, or they've seen you know knockoffs of this, and they've read that, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, this is what Scott Pilgrim is like." Therefore, I hate it. And and I, yeah. I think there's also a, for a while people were citing this as the best comic ever made of all time. There's nothing better. Forget it. And I that sure that stuff always pisses people off. <laughs> no, a absolutely. But um, you know, there, there's also a lot of uh, you, you know, uh, I, that I personally think are unfair criticisms of like uh, you know, juvenile stuff along the lines of oh, you know, Scott Pilgrim's a soy boy and he. Yeah can't defend himself despite the fact that he's defeating almost all of these evil exes by himself right and, and is a champion in fighting in his own right uh no one teaches him how to fight ramona doesn't teach him how to fight knives doesn't teach him how to fight he, he's already coming in um as this expertly skilled martial artist character mm -hmm. yeah i mean absolutely well and, and he doesn't drink soy anywhere in the comic my knowledge um technically oh he drinks the uh soy milk when he's uh does the switcheroo on todd oh there you go yes it's part of it it's part of a gag yeah yeah okay fair enough you know? there you go criticism's all valid no um it is it, it well i mean taking a step back for a moment um first off you know this isn't the greatest comic ever made no but it's a good comic um yeah. It's fun. I, I went back and read it um, to get ready for this. Uh, you did too. It's uh, this is still holds up as an enjoyable read. Um, it's it's interesting reading it now because it to me at least it further highlights all the people who have who have done this badly since. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, I, I don't have the exact timeline in front of me, but I think when a lot of people look at this, they they also think of like cal art style and things yeah. like that you know pop up and like this um you know like american anime kind of approach mm -hmm. like the chibi style and like stuff like that that people talk about a lot of that kind of stuff gets thrown around when yeah when, when talking about this but like um in, in a lot of ways and this i don't know if this is sound gonna sound like a compliment or not but um Brian Lee O'Malley in the early mid 2000s when he was launching this book it feels like kind of what Kevin Smith was doing in film in the early 90s where people were picking this up like for a mainstream audience yeah because it, it happened to get picked up by the mainstream because this book sold really well which we're going to get into but it, it was like when people's minds were blown that they were watching clerks and they were making star Wars references. Mm -hmm. And then they pick up this book and they're like, Oh my God, there's these indie rock references. There's, um, you know, they're making Zelda jokes and things like that. You know, they're, 
this is this is incredible. I've, I've never read a, a comic like this. Not to say there weren't comics doing that before, but they didn't get the kind of traction to that generation that other comics did. Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour. This is the book signing line for Brian Lee O'Malley. This is amazing. We're coming up on the beguiling right now. This is pandemonium. This is the best comic book ever to be released in the city of Toronto. Um, holy crap. The line is... I'm still not finished filming this line. There's so much of the line. Line, line, we're almost there. Uh, I think there's a bunch of, of techniques that are used in this book uh, around kind of bringing in some gamer culture, doing some some of the, the flashbacks and the reels, just the way the, the comic is structured that I think a lot of, a lot of current comic creators who are saying they're making something similar would hate and do hate. They don't use the same methods. Yeah. Uh, O'Malley does it differently. Uh, but it, it, I think that Kevin Smith analogy is actually dead on because if you look at a lot of those original pieces, they do hold up. They're fun. But the enjoyment of them is eroded by the fact of <laughs> this overpraise, overhype, and a yeah. bunch of people mimicking it so poorly. Yeah, um, victim of your own success is something that I think is uh, fair to say. But, um, yeah. but Brian Lee O'Malley, he started not, I, I don't think it was the first thing he ever did in comics, but, you know, he, before this, he he worked at Oni. He he was like, a, I think he did some like backgrounds, cleanup art, like lettering, I believe. Yeah, he also, yeah, lettering, like he, he was working in production for Oni which got him the opportunity to pitch this book. And, um, you know, this also goes to show you things like the, the road to success in comics can, can often be a long one. Um, there's no matter what anyone tells you, there is a lot of luck involved. Yeah, for Be sure. Yeah, because, I mean, he was in the right place at the right time to pitch an idea that was right for this particular publisher um, keeping in mind that Oni didn't really put books like this out beforehand. Like they were right. still trying to figure out what they were back in like 2004 when this was first coming out. He had worked on Hopeless Savages, Ground Zero, which people would not think of as, as O'Malley, I think. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was clear he did it, but that is not this kind of style. So. No, no, no. Um, and, and before Scott Pilgrim, what was it? He did that one other... Lost at Sea. Yeah, lost at sea, um, which did not go over very well. No, no, it it uh, it's funny actually. It it didn't sell. I think it, it made it more of a struggle for him to get Pilgrim done, uh, yeah. as I recall. Seeing interviews of his, he he talked about how that almost set it back a little bit. Now, now with his success, Lost at Sea is selling quite well, but it's yeah. all because he made his name with with Pilgrim. Yeah, and and it took till it was at least like volume three, I want to say, before it was getting any traction at all. Yeah. Um, he, he was basically, um, you know, struggle. He was the struggling artist for a bit. It, it took, you know, it was like the fourth graphic novel he did with the third volume of Scott Pilgrim before I think he really started turning a profit. Yeah. And Scott Pilgrim took six years to make as well, yeah. which again, to the narrative, I think people have put out there of, of the Cal art style and kind of this, this, this whole 
environment around this type of book, there's this perception that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's done over a weekend. There's not a lot of work involved. And maybe that sometimes I think that is true. Sometimes it's not. But this book took a lot of time to make. And again, you when you go through the pages, it isn't the CalArt style. It's a different, it, it's, it's very different. And, and I think he actually does have a lot of detail. It, 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 it all goes back to the perception I think people have of this book is by hearing about it in other places and by seeing other books that have ripped it off. But I mean, he, he puts a lot of detail into the backgrounds and everything else. It's a, Oh yeah. The backgrounds are, are mostly photo referenced. Um, yeah. He, he went and took pictures of a lot of these places and, and there's excruciating detail that goes into the backgrounds to contrast with these sort of cartoony characters that are in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely not something that I think people think of when they think of this type of book. So it's, Anyway, uh, I think the other piece that I heard, so I, maybe this is just me, but I was, I've always been a big fan of Rumiko Takahashi. Mm -hmm. um, I, I absolutely loved a lot of her work. Um, Yurosei Yatsura uh, was a big, huge, I was a big fan of that for many years. And then in particular, uh, Mason Aikoko. Uh, Mm -hmm. This book feels a lot like, and I think Brian Lee O'Malley has credited Takahashi with a lot of the inspiration for what he did. And they definitely, there's a, there's a feeling of, of similarity with these books. Absolutely. There's, there's obviously a lot of manga uh, influence. Um, you know, it seems like a bit of a primary influence here. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to, and, and you know, it's, it's hard not to think of something when you see something like Lost at Sea or, uh, you know, you, you think of stuff like Mermaid Saga Yep. Uh, perhaps, you know, not, not, this, not that the stories are similar, but, you know, you can kind of see that, like, like it, it, you know, like it just pops into my mind when I think of that stuff. But um, he briefly, like, not briefly, but he was down in like LA for a few years and, and he, his roommate um, is very much like the, the Wallace character from mm -hmm. Scott Pilgrim. Yep. So, th so there's a lot of, you know, his own life that, that goes into this, which, I think you find often is a trend when you're talking to creators with powerful work that they usually are able to be like, well, this thing actually happened to me, or this is part of, uh, you know, my life that I incorporated into the book. It, it has, it's, I don't know, it, I think this thing gets miscategorized a lot as slice of life, although even O'Malley said that that's, he's, he's going for that vibe, but it's not, it, it's, I don't know, I, this, again, this is why I, I, I look at Takahashi a lot as the influence, because you'd get these very common scenarios mixed with very absurd scenarios. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just the evil boyfriends and the fights. I mean, this whole thing has got strange dream sequences and weird cuts and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it has a very, um, a very strange environment. I mean, it is the absurd mixed with common. Yeah. There's, um, Oh, why, why am I blanking on what it's called? But there's the, that like, um, through, Oh, subspace. Yeah. yeah it's, um, subspace. there's the subspace, uh, that goes through Scott's head 
which is where he initially meets Ramona and they have that in the movie as well. Mm -hmm. But like that is so bare bones explained, makes no sense. And you just sort of go with it. Um, And it seems like, like that's one of the things where I don't even know if I, if I'm criticizing it or not, because (laughs) on the one hand, what's happening? And on the other hand, (laughs) if you explained it, it would probably be a, a horrible explanation and drag the whole thing down. Right. So, but, yeah. Good, I, I think is, is he knows, I mean, to his credit, I think he knows what to explain and what to just leave as being weird. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I promise it'll be the last comparison I make to Takashi, but this is very similar to kind of Ranma one half and this idea of you've got these uh, cursed water pools that turn people randomly into animals. And I mean, what is that? What does this all mean when they, it, it makes no sense, but any kind of further explanation or backstory would wreck the whole concept. So you just leave it alone and just let it be a weird element to the series. And, and this, this comic is filled with that. Oh yeah. Like uh, Ramona's like basically a bag of holding where she can have yeah. giant like mallets and, and things like that in it. Yeah. Uh, lots of little stuff like that. Um, it's very stylistic. Yes. Like, um, you know, a cartoony stylistic kind of stuff where they, you know, it's usually uh, video game references, but there's also uh, some like indie rock mm-hmm. kind of references. Uh, I think everyone at this point uh, is familiar, knows that Scott Pilgrim is a Plum Tree song. Uh, he was a big fan of the band Plum Tree, uh, which is part of where this all came from. You yeah. know, he, he had done uh, posters for Plum Tree before this book happened. So. Yeah. Do you think so? There is a lot of gamer culture kind of in this whole thing, um, but and, and that's this is another case where we've kind of been hit over the head with it. Back when this comic came out, which was uh, 2010, uh, I think it was 2010. That was when the last volume came out. It was through yeah. every volume once a year uh, through uh, what was it? Oh uh, four, and, and you will see okay. this. The, um, interesting things to note is. is the world changed a lot between yeah. 2004 and 2010 when the last book came out to the point where, um, it, you know, just interesting notes is, are um, the characters use the R word in all the volumes except the last volume they stop. Yeah. And that's kind of following that trend of where um you, you know it, it became less and less acceptable and, and then i think by that last volume uh they they sort of cut out u- using that word entirely uh i i think you you also see you know there there's certain you know gay jokes and things like that that i don't think that that, that yeah. dwindles out yeah yeah they they start dwindling some of these things out so that's part of what makes it interesting seeing this book go across those particular six years yeah the art style shifts a little bit as well he starts using some different techniques around the outlines and and just there there's just there's some parts that are definitely different yeah yeah um i i think some of the action towards the end too is a lot more explosive yeah but um you know it's it's interesting because again it's that mix of slice of life where you might have a few pages where people are sitting in a coffee shop talking about their feelings and then it'll be like 10 pages of of pretty big panels or splash panels Mm -hmm. of of scott you know and and 
Matthew Patel or Lucas Lee or someone or Roxy just punching each other. Yeah. Yeah, it, he, he he's pretty, and again, it, it goes back to the art style. I mean, I'm looking at some pages here, and there's um, a very, very detailed building and a lot of complexity, and then you get to a panel where the focus is going to be on the character, so you they you get rid of all that. It's it's just, he does a good job blending the art uh, from panel to panel and, and using the space pretty nice. I mean, I, I think that he's got, he, he just has a good way that he structures and flows this book. It's, and again, oh. it, it's, it's one of those cases where it's it's a very uh, it's a it's a relatively tight product that I think people have seen maybe a panel or two and not actually read the book and perhaps judged it very harshly as a result. Yeah, and there's also there's other little things too, like uh, for anyone who might be familiar with the movie and didn't read the books, um, the the relationship between Scott and Knives is definitely more intimate in the books, but that's most their relationships mostly delved into in like the first two books, right? And then it's sort of you know we we really transition to Ramona, you know he I think he breaks up with Knives in the second book, yeah, and and yeah, so so you have that going on, and then by the time they get to the movie, they don't kiss or anything like that, really, like not like passionately, but they kiss passionately and things like that and uh in mm. the books like scott looks you, you know it's cartoony and scott's like whoa what's happening kind of yeah. stuff going on but it's still like you know like you know sloppy kissing and, and stuff like that that you don't see in the movie and and again i think that also plays to uh a lot of the changes uh we were going through yep. in what's acceptable and what's not and the idea of you know having Michael Sarah at that point in his career making out with a girl who we're supposed to believe is 17 would, was probably not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it, it, it's funny uh, because because the movie, I, again, I, and I, I, I know I'm probably making everybody confused and hate it, but I, the movie is also not bad. I'm not the biggest Michael Sarah fan, but I came to him from Arrested Development. I love that show, so I get enough of kind of that feel to it. I think yeah. they do you know, re reasonable job of, of kind of recreating this, this comic. Um, but I, you know, to the credit of a lot of people who, who hate even the very mention of Scott Pilgrim, the, the conversations around the book and around the movie are often so obnoxiously terrible. I'd hate it too. It's just, you have, yeah. you have to turn all that stuff off and actually read the source material. Yeah. Although I do think compared to sort of the direction hyperbole went since 2010, mm -hmm. I would, you know, I'd kill for those days when, <laughs> when the hyperbole was only like it was in 2010 and, and, and not today. God, if this book had come out in 2021, we would have been very, <laughs> it would be just the worst. Oh, absolutely. But, um, <laughs> you know, part of the other thing too, is it's a lot of the, people who, who are um, upset about this book and, and all of that are not upset about this book existing is the wrong word, but it's just like annoyed that it exists and, and thinks it's, it's terrible are also a lot of people that are very particular on like the numbers and are quick to point out that certain books don't sell. That is not the case here. Yeah. So this book um, to, to your point, so this book has sold ridiculously well to the point of, I think I've, I've seen a, I've got a couple of different articles here. We'll put some numbers up, but it's just, this book has, uh, is one of the top 10 graphic novels of the decade. 
in yeah. terms of mainstream sales. In fact, I think I, I'm seeing different articles here and there's some that cited as the third best selling, um, mm-hmm. which fits. And I mean, it, it, it does, it, in terms of raw sales, this thing stands up there with Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns and others in terms of books that are crossed over into the mainstream, have sold very well, continue to sell well. And, and, and are, I mean, they're just, there's a lot of current graphic novels, current comics that are being put out that come nowhere close to the trade sales of this thing today. Oh yeah. Um, when the sixth volume came out, which was around the time the movie came out, which was also around the time the video came out with the Nanamanaguchi soundtrack. And like this movie came out with, you know, a, a solid cast. A, a lot of people that were known quantities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and who have gone on to be in, uh, a, a lot of movies, uh, since then, you know, they actually, um, I think people will mostly know the character of Lucas Lee from those two Fantastic Four films. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Human Torch. He was the uh-huh. Human Torch in those those movies. But um, <laughs> you know, it's the the synergy here, though. Is this Scott Pilgrim is literally what every single person breaking into comics since 2010 has wanted. Yeah. They want a massively successful uh, series of graphic novels that get adapted into a movie by a director as like, you know, with it as Edgar Wright. And they want uh, a hip retro video game to go with it. Like that's literally everyone's dream come true. And it's worth noting. Nobody's dream has come true. No. Yeah. However, um, <laughs> the dream here, I, I mean, there, there are articles and all of that that go over the fact that when volume six came out, it sold init- it immediately sold out of its initial 100,000 print run yep. and was rushed to an additional 50,000 print run. If you put that graphic novel, not a floppy, that graphic novel, even back in 2010, I imagine at 100,000 copies, it would have been a top 10 selling floppy the month it came out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, uh, to, because I just went through it, um, the sales of Scott Pilgrim, if you, you know, remove the anniversary issues and the 25 cent issue, they exceeded The Walking Dead yeah. by, by, a, by a hearty margin, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so much. It was just so successful by... By the time they did that uh, rushed reorder of 50,000 copies, all six books combined had moved a million units. Yeah. You know, and it's all done, you know, by Brian Lee O'Malley, had assistants and other people working on it. But that's all, those royalty checks are all going to him. Yes, exactly. You know, for those million books sold. So, and since then, they've done, you know, the hardcover, um, uh, colorized versions. They've recently put out another like uh, two in one uh, versions. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's the three books in, instead of six. Um, they keep pumping these. Uh, they keep finding new ways to make money off this. Um, if you went to a con back when cons existed, even in 2019, if you were at a con that Oni was at, Scott Pilgrim's prominent. Yeah, you know, and, and this a property that there hasn't been new material for in ten years was still a prominent thing they pushed at conventions. 
to put it in some perspective, um, we've you know you you were uh, kind enough to kind of pass the link along and just citing the uh, selling list uh, of Amazon. The only thing that's beat Scott Pilgrim in the last two years consistently across you know the different months is Watchmen and the uh, Marvel Encyclopedia that is tied into the MCU. That's the only those are the only two that it's beaten all the rest in terms yeah. and. It, Today, this is 10 years later, these collected editions. And like you say, you go to Amazon right now, you, they've got uh, what, what looks like dozens of different versions of this book yeah. out to buy. It's, it's nuts. Uh, the video game was just uh, re-released about a month ago on the Switch. It sold 25,000 physical copies, which was more than double what it, they thought it would make for a, for a re-release. This is a new game. Yeah. And, and so it's, the sales are there, but, but as you mentioned, like it is the dream of everyone to try and replicate this and yet nobody has. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and I mean, like when we think of like rockstar creators, you know, a lot of people think of, you know, like your Robert Kirkman's at, mm -hmm. you know, his prime and uh, you know, Mark Miller's pe people like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we went through and we found, you know, video footage of signings that these are lines wrapped around city blocks. Yeah. These are packed bookstores. Yeah. Of people who are desperate to meet Brian Lee O'Malley. None of the movie people are there. This isn't yeah. like, oh, Michael Sarenegger writer here. And oh, by the way, we. You know, we, we found Brian Lee O'Malley at a coffee shop and dragged him over here. These were people who were there specifically for Brian Lee O'Malley. They were happy the movie was coming out. They were excited to go see it. But they wanted to meet Brian Lee O'Malley. And that is unique. Very. No, I, there's, um, there's some stories here about some cons that O'Malley was at and Stan Lee was at. And they note that O'Malley had a longer line than Stan Lee. And I know I, there's probably, again, a bunch of people hearing this that are groaning heavily at that. But yeah. consider, I mean, it's it's this guy, relatively small uh, amount of things he's produced, but it, it shows you how ridiculously popular this was at the time. Yeah, And I think it it's, in many cases, not to keep harping on this point, but it is much like, in many cases, Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. This series was uh, would become responsible for a lot of very annoying knockoffs. <laughs> no, it, it would be, and um, and and Brian Lee O'Malley himself would go on to do uh, more work from here. Seconds, which um, yeah. actually uh, is probably my favorite work of his. I agree. I like Seconds better than uh, I, I like Seconds much better than Scott Pilgrim. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. a little more like it feels more like a Miyazaki film. It's, yes, it's a little more of like a, a fairy tale kind of take, and it's a, here's the thing: every everyone who would already hate Scott Pilgrim, if you tell them like, "Oh no, no, Seconds is even better." It's like a it's like a Miyazaki film with a, a woman who works in a restaurant. They would be like, "Go to hell!" Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what they would say. Yes, <laughs> but um, but no, it's 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 phenomenal, and and that's actually when I got to meet Brian Lee O'Malley, um, you know, during his like book tour for Seconds. This was a book tour for a book that had nothing to do with Scott Pilgrim, right? And I was in a packed Barnes and Noble where you had to get like it was either uh, you had to hold a ticket or get a wristband. It might have been both, and you know, it was one of those like 
big signings where it's like, you know, you can only, you, you have to purchase the book and you can only get like one or two additional items. I think one additional item signed. Um, I, I had a friend with me who, who was only getting the book signed and got another copy of Scott Pilgrim for me signed. But it was like a talk and then like uh, this like massive line to, to get up to Brian Lee O'Malley to get him to sign not Scott Pilgrim. Yep. Like there are, there are examples, a lot of examples of creators who have put out, uh, you know, a, a monumental book. You can't get them to show up when yep. they put out something that has nothing to do with the property they like. No, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No, uh, O'Malley definitely had that kind of draw. He does have another book he's been working on for a while. This uh, Worst World, which that's that's been going for two or three years. Well, no, this is in 2016. He said this thing is coming, and we still don't know when. But uh, Yeah, I mean, he was working on Snot Girl at Image. Yep. And, and then he has this other thing. I mean, he is one of the rare examples of, of an indie rising star who put out one book and, like, technically, you know, depending on how he wants to live his life, probably doesn't have to do more work. No, yeah, he's he, the royalties alone off. <laughs> he's 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 set. Yeah, he's in a good place. Um, no, it, it, but actually, to that point, you also don't see him uh, running around on social media acting like a crazy person either. He just kind of no. enjoys money. <laughs> no, he he's uh, barely on social media, um, yeah. as far as I've noticed, and also, unlike a lot of other people, like. He's done with Scott Pilgrim. He's never teased that we're going to get more Scott Pilgrim. He's uh, a lot of similar creators or people in that situation would be far too tempted yeah. to go back and keep mining and mining their IP until it's worthless. Yep. Let's He's not doing that. Uh, we'll get a prequel out there. We'll do another series focused on one of the supporting characters. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, what's Stacey Pilgrim up to? I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it, but it, again, it's interesting. You look at this book, you get um, a lot of, I mean, just it, it breaks down a lot. I think the misconceptions people have of it, there, there is a lot of detail in this book. There's a lot of um, complexity in the art. You do have a lot of restraint from the creator who, who isn't just going back and mining it. You have, you have a lot of things that I think buck the rules. What's curious to me is why did so many people try and copy this, but miss all the <laughs> miss all the, the actually the things that seem to work. You know, I, I think part of that is people like Scott Pilgrim, because, you know, it, it hit all those notes. They weren't looking for not Scott Pilgrim. They found Scott Pilgrim and they were like, this is my jam. And, and there were, there was a, uh, you know, it's, there's this feeling of authenticity that I think came from it. Like it was very clear that Brian Lee O'Malley was very passionate about the games and indie bands he was referencing. You can't fake that stuff. And people try to fake that stuff or they try to make out the things they like to be cool when they're not. Yeah. And this, it hit right at that right moment. It wasn't super cool to be making like Zelda jokes and Super Mario jokes before this in, in comics. You didn't really see that. Uh, this this sort of changed that. It made, like, the problem is it made everyone think, 
oh, it's cool to be a, like this kind of nerd now. I'm going to let my nerd flag fly. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> but once you've seen it done, you can't you can't replicate the first time you felt like you connected to a work like that. Yes. You can't replicate in another movie and feel exactly the same way in Clerks when they're arguing about, you know, contract workers on the Death Star and yeah. like that level of, of a conversation. You can't, you know, have your second time around in that or your second time around in, you know, Mall Rats with like Brody talking to Stanley and and that conversation like you get those moments and then that's that's it like other people try to do those sort of things and, and how many indie films have have uh we seen or not seen that like heavily aped off of everything that people like kevin smith were, were going for it just doesn't work and that's sort of the same thing that happens with scott pilgrim i, I mean we've seen a, a, a few similar kind of successes, but not to the same level. Like uh, Brian Clevenger had that webcomic 8-bit theater, which came out a little before this. Yep. And that I, I really loved. I, I was reading that as it was coming out. Um, I think I was I became aware of it very few episodes in, maybe within the first dozen or so episodes of that webcomic coming out, and, and I really loved it. And he went on to do Atomic Robo, um, and he he has seen a, a level of success from that. It pales in comparison to Scott Pilgrim. Right. But, you know, you have those sort of things, you know, going on. I don't think a lot of the people that have come since Scott Pilgrim have, have achieved even like Brian Clevenger's no. uh, level of success. And, and he's great. If, uh, if people aren't familiar with him, Atomic Robo, Ape at Theater and stuff like that, uh, you know, definitely check that out because that's also equally kind of quirky and nerdy, but in a different kind of nerd. It's like, you know, that's where you're talking like Edison and Tesla kind of nerd. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, it, it's it, it. there was it's it's an interesting book because it does it, the, the gamer references seem authentic. A lot of the stuff that came later seemed less so. You're right. You're exactly right. And a lot of the things that were done when he was making this book uh, Zelda references and, and one-ups and everything else. Nobody was doing that. It definitely was alt nerdy kind of content. And it, it, it but, I'm, but I'm imagining a lot of people who came to this book came to it after it was popular, after they had probably seen a couple of the knockoffs. Yeah. And then it's, it's annoying at that point. You're, you yeah. don't you have that same experience. I think a lot of parents are going through this right now as they're desperately trying to get their uh, young children into Harry Potter. And they're discovering that uh, their kids like it, like not even close to what they thought. Yes. Years ago. It's like, oh, this isn't yeah. good. Um, some things are just meant for the, the time period they're in. Um, and this feels like kind of one of those like you, you have to i think you'd still enjoy it if you're coming into it new but you have to ignore a lot of what's going on um in the background since yeah uh, i i mean th this also came out around the time like what was it there were some other um web comics like web comics were the only thing you could get anything like this at this point right you had like um mega tokyo was another webcomic around this time that had some some gamer kind of references. Um, I think that we were still fairly early, but I think it existed for a little bit. It was uh, Penny Arcade? Mm -hmm. Yep. But but again, all of this was webcomic stuff. This wasn't 
like a, a manga type book you could pick off the shelf like this it engaged a, a wider audience right. and a different audience um and, and you had like other nerd culture stuff like really like this is where it was really coming and, and rising like uh, i think this is also right around when we had like the rise of like felicia day and the guild yep it, you know stuff like that like this was a, an interesting phenomenon that i think scott pilgrim you know, came out of and excelled and in a lot of ways, uh, you know, outside of maybe something like Penny Arcade, because we can talk about the PAX conventions and mm -hmm. how successful they are. But but in terms of publishing, in terms of creating a, a franchise, uh, Scott Pilgrim is the one that really, you know, stands above it all. He, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think Brian Lee O'Malley, much like Rumko Takahashi, they have the ability to tap into pop culture in a way that I, other comic artists don't. They, they're still telling their story, but they are able to be maybe savvy enough about what's going on in the marketplace to, to it, 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 he did successfully hook onto a lot of other things that are kind of bubbling under the surface and getting popular and harness it, kind of leverage it. And I think that that's where it was so successful because it was able to, it, it was a mass market appeal book. Um, at the same time, I, I think that, Scott Pilgrim works for Scott Pilgrim. It works for this type of book. What's been perhaps frustrating, and I think, again, probably a source of a lot of irritation from people when they think about this property, is that this, this style is not what works for, say, Marvel Comics or DC. You don't, you don't take the Scott Pilgrim style and say, let's do Batman with this. It doesn't fit. And, or it takes, yeah. a very skilled, it, it takes a very skilled writer to do that in a very different type of story. Yeah, that that's not to say you know they didn't try a bunch and and oh, fail sure. miserably. Um, I I remember um, it was I, I want to say uh, the Gillen McCleavy Young Avengers number one. They had the Brian Lee O'Malley variant that they really pushed. Yeah, and uh, even for the omnibus, they put out like it might have been the direct market variant was the Brian Lee O'Malley cover. Yeah, and um, it, you know Young Avengers, despite the fact that I enjoyed that run and i enjoy those characters um is not scott pilgrim and if you enjoy scott pilgrim you're not necessarily going to enjoy young avengers they're very different books and, and i think that was a real misfire on on marvel's you know part despite the fact that i enjoy both books um yep. that's not like you're not i mean as much as i enjoy those things like that book didn't sell a fraction of, of anything close to what Scott Pilgrim did. Absolutely. I, I think the, the title people bring up a lot is uh, Squirrel Girl because I think even some of the creators have pointed to Scott Pilgrim as being kind of the inspiration behind that book and, and kind of a lot of the sense of the humor and things they were going for. Um, but again, I just think there's, there's too many reasons why that's not going to work over there. Squirrel Girl aimed at, at a different audience. It's aimed at a different market. It's an ongoing, it's there, there's just, you can go down the list of a lot of reasons why it's completely different property. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if for example, you tried squirrel girl, you disliked it and you heard, Oh, this got its inspiration from Scott Pilgrim, try and erase that from your brain and pick up Scott Pilgrim and try it again. Sure. Cause we'll discover, and, and it's actually fascinating. You discover a very, very different product and a, a different story and a different feel. And I think you're, you're kind of hurting yourself. If you, uh, if you keep those tied together, you're missing out on some things. No, absolutely. But another part of this too is 
uh, a lot of times we talk about how, you know, like Joss Whedon dialogue yeah. has like, you know, like, oh, he, he ruined comics forever because everyone's aping off of Joss Whedon. I would say they're not. They're aping off Brian Lee O'Malley and Scott Pilgrim. A lot more, yeah. In, in, in yeah, I, I think there's. It's a little both. I think the 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 sure. quippy, or or maybe they're just doing Joss Whedon poorly, which is quite possible. Sure, but, and arguably uh, yeah. they're doing Scott Pilgrim poorly too. I think. Yeah, I, I think it's the stuff that's irritating people more is more aped off Scott Pilgrim because we can also make the argument that Joss yeah. Whedon's writing was really just aping off of Peter David. Like if you read Peter David's Hulk and the yep. original X Factor run, he was doing all. Quippy stuff well before Whedon, and you know, and I think if you if you want to see that done right, um, more recently, you check out Peter David's X Factor Investigations because there's a lot of fun quippy dialogue in that, but it's good. Yeah. So, but but I think what what pe annoys people is is less. It's not quite Whedon dialogue. Like like one of the lines I think that you know because it was in the movie that people think of when they think of Scott Pilgrim is when, you know, um, when Kim says, you know, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. That's the kind of dialogue that's like leaked into, I think a lot of what people are trying to do in indie comics and even some people in Marvel and DC, that kind of stuff is upsetting people. Mm -hmm. as, um, with, good reading. with good reason. It doesn't fit in a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah. People don't want to see, you know, like Falcons say, Cap, if your life had a face, I would punch it or yeah. things like that. And, yeah. and, and we, we see that kind of stuff going on and it just doesn't work. I, I think the other thing that I've seen copied a lot, uh, which, again, it's it's it, it's these um, captions, these character introductions that are kind of cutesy. They put, uh, you know, Scott Pilgrim, world's greatest prep cook and mess, you know, and it's it's that kind yeah. of. Yes. Stuff. I do absolutely hate that. Um, in other books, it worked for Scott Pilgrim because it fits the book that that O'Malley is doing. It fits the feel of it. It it's absolutely obnoxious when you're throwing that into Avengers. I think is the problem. <laughs> no, it it is because you know, and, and this goes to the tone of the book, which yeah. is really important. Uh, the tone of Scott Pilgrim is it is a, a fun, lighthearted book that has stakes the stakes aren't if a character lives or dies the stakes are does scott get with ramona right so you can have these goofy bits where you know he's you know like more or less murdering these evil exes um you know hitting them and they burst into coins and haha you're a gamer it's gamer stuff yeah. and um you can have that. You can have Scott have an extra life. And even though he gets killed by Gideon, he comes back and, and wins with the extra life. You can do that stuff because it fits the tone of the book and it doesn't affect the states because it doesn't matter if Scott lives or dies. What matters is if he gets with Ramona or not. Sir Pilgrim, I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. It's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, and it, it allows you to pass back and forth within the absurd. I mean, characters getting punched and, in theory, murdered and <laughs> turning into coins. Yes. Meanwhile, you know, in other scenes, we have uh, people punching the highlights out of Knives' hair. I mean, it just, it's, yeah. it, 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 there's a, a sense of, I think, 
I always try and context if you if you like uh, say like Video Girl Eye or you like a lot of the Takahashi stuff. If you like kind of this this more uh, manga that is you know it's relationship but the characters turn into animals when they're doused with water i mean it's just it's 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 absurd comedy with actual stakes in it as well and it's it's if you can put your mind in that place i think it winds up being very enjoyable yeah that's where a lot of people fail is yeah. there are no actual stakes that they just want to do something cool and it doesn't work and they wonder why and it's like because there are no stakes like yeah. You know, but but it's it's has really established stakes that they, they make it clear and yeah. they never lose sight of that. You are constantly reminded, not in 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 a condescending way, you're just constantly reminded over the course of the story, Scott is trying to get with Ramona. What does he have to do? He has to get a job and be an adult. He has to beat her seven evil exes. He has to uh, grow as a person and understand that he needs to do things for himself and not on, you know, he has to do them for himself and not for other people, which, which again, I think is a lesson that a lot yeah. of people, you know, when they're making fun of like a book like this or mocking this book, Oh, he's, you know, he's not a real man and all that. It's like, I can't think of a more real man kind of lesson than you journey. need to. Yeah. You need this journey. And you need to do things for yourself, not for this woman you love, not for not to impress your your friends or to show up this villain. You have to do it for you, and, yeah. and that's that. I I can't think of of a better kind of lesson in that sense to to show that this is like really uh, about you know improving yourself. You, you know, no, for sure. I, I it, it's definitely it's it's a growth thing for Scott. Uh, it's set amidst the context of him having to to kill bad boyfriends and uh, or ex boyfriends. It's uh, he's he's managing this this relationship weird triangle of of an ex girlfriend and a potentially future girlfriend, the girl he's involved in, he doesn't really want, and there's all that kind of stuff. But it's it's uh, and, and then these very absurd kind of races and contests and and other pieces and you know the fact that the the vegan has superpowers. I mean, oh, you go down the whole thing, but it it. Your the the journey here is Scott's. It's not about the supporting cast. I mean, the supporting cast helps that journey along. And there are growth that happens there, but this is Scott's journey, and it's, I, I yeah, there's a lot of depth here. It's a, it's a it's a perfectly solid book, and it it yeah. I feel like the people who really criticize this and the people who really love it often get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But like, you know, building on that point too, again, it's laser focused storytelling. We don't deviate from Scott. We don't have weird chapters or a book that just goes into the life of, you know, Stacy or, or the life of, you know, sex bomb. It's, it's a laser focused on Scott. Everything's through his POV. They don't, um, you know, muddy up the plot where it's like, oh no, now uh, Wallace got kidnapped, and now I gotta save Wallace. But yeah. but oh no, I gotta go on a date with Ramona. Like they don't they don't muddy it up. They don't split your attention. It's laser focused. So Scott needs to accomplish these things to get to his goal. Yeah, it it is a pretty straight line. Uh, there's a lot of obviously characters and other pieces in this, and and kind of the complexity of the the different boyfriends and the different uh, people in Scott's life that are irritated at him, all the rest. 
but it is it is a straight line of this story and everything that's going on with it. Um, they spend a little bit of time with how this is impacting knives, but and again, you never deviate to a different story. You never get a completely new, you know, a chapter that has nothing to do with Scott. It's always centered on Scott. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're able to tell the story where uh, we really get to know these other characters, even though it's laser focused on Scott. Yeah. Like we really get a sense of who Wallace is. Mm -hmm. um through purely his interactions with scott we don't really see him interact without scott being there right. you know very briefly but like it's mostly his relationship with scott is, is how we know and build up this character and that's you know sort of how it goes through the, the whole book is all these characters we know through their relationship uh more or less with scott and 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 that's just solid storytelling yeah, no, I, I think I think that O'Malley deserves a lot of credit for reading the room um, in the sense of being able yeah. to create something, you know, that was going to, because I don't think this was accidental. I, I think there was a lot of luck involved completely. In sure. How God is popular. But I also think he, he was placing the bets smartly to give himself the best chance of this book going big. I mean, he was, it, I don't think a lot of this stuff was accidental. That, no. You know, he he knew when to steer away from a lot of silly nonsense and keep focus on what he was doing and make it a very packageable book. I mean, the, the pitch for this book is is almost dead simple. It's, you know, Scott is uh, trying to figure out his life, meets a girl, wants to date her. Only problem is she's got these evil ex-boyfriends he's got to defeat first. What will happen? I mean, you can you've got your elevator pitch in about 10 seconds for this book. Yeah that's going to make it much, much easier. And that elevator pitch is not something goofy like, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a slice of life coming of age story that it has uh, tarot decks and Dungeons and Dragons and some yeah. fantasy elements and people learn their lessons. So, okay. I don't, I don't know what that means, but you get yeah. a sense of this story is going to deliver you a beginning, middle and end. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, we could horribly pitch this about, it's like, a, it's a guy and he's a loser and he wants a girlfriend and you know, he doesn't have a job and he lives with a roommate who's gay and he's in a band and they like Zelda. And, yeah. you know, like you could go ramble like that and then be like, no, pass, yeah, that's not, not, work. not yeah. interested. But, um, you, you know, and again, part of the luck here is like, like we said earlier, this really didn't start taking off till around the third book. So Brian Lee O'Malley already had a book that was more or less a dud with, with Lost at Sea. And, and then he had two more books before the third one, which took off. Anything could have happened to stop this. Oni yep. could have said, you know what? After the first book, we invested in you for two books. We're done. Yep. Or Brian could have said, I invested too much of my time into two or three books. Uh, I need to focus on making a living and, you know, something that might get quicker success. So I'm going to stop making these books. Mm -hmm. And that easily could have also gotten us to a point where this never happened. You know, this could have been uh, First Seconds Battling Boy from uh, Paul Pope. Yes. <laughs> yes, it could have. You know, it, it easily could have, uh, which I think is something else that people would probably compare to Scott Pilgrim superficially um because it's you know it's a young guy in these t-shirts giving powers and, and stuff like that but um do you, do you think uh because i i i uh i read this originally in black and white mm -hmm. i'm back and read it again in a color version i think the black and white 
was better. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the black and white, you know, obviously it's the original intention. Um, you, you know, I, I have the, I've read it in black and white, I've read it in color. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like both. It's whatever your, whatever your preference is, whatever gets you to read the book. Um, there's a couple of jokes that make no sense. They, they annotate it. Because, um, you know, Ramona makes a, a joke about how she changes her hair like every week. And, and Scott says, oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, some of the that, jokes don't, don't. That's one, one thing I think doesn't work is some of the jokes in color fail. Yeah. Yeah. That but, is uh, yeah. definitely true. <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff with Envy as well. There's, there's just jokes about the appearance and, and, and everything else that I think are, are cool ways to indicate that Scott doesn't have a good handle on things. and. Anyway, but yeah, but I mean, it's, it all depends on, on what you like. Don't, if you hate reading black and white comics, uh, don't, don't, you know, torture yourself by reading it in black and white. Um, if you're a purist and you like reading black and white comics, read in black and white if you can. Um, I've seen like, uh, like what was it? I've seen Amazon reviews of like, uh, the complete bone like that compendium and it's printed in the original black and white as it was intended. And you get tons of reviews being like, no one told me this was in black and white and yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. So, so yeah, just, um, you know, like, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. But I think, so what about people who have, they've seen, they haven't seen the movie. Um, they've heard a lot of, this is uh, SJW bait and I'm not going to watch the movie and not going to read the comic. Where do they begin? Would you suggest they try the comic first or the, or the movie first? I'd say the comic because uh, the yeah. comic, um, it, you know, is definitely less like, I mean, you don't have to deal with Michael Sarah in, yeah, exactly. in the comic um, and, and the comic. It's not nearly as SJW as, as people act like it is. It's really not. There are, you know, again, it's this guy who's dating a girl in high school. Yeah. He's doesn't look good. He's not trying to be a good person. Um <laughs> They're pretty savage about the vegan stuff. Like they, they really mock vegans. And, oh yeah, yeah. That is not the a hero in the book. That's that's not yeah. Uh, a villain. One of the villains is a vegan, and uh, the vegan is portrayed as being the dumbest character in the book. Yes. And um, yeah, and and uh, he also, uh, you know, there's that whole bit where you know, going back to what we were saying before, we really cracks knives in the face and yeah. knocks the highlights out of her hair. And he just says like, I'm not afraid to punch a girl. Yeah. Like that, that's your vegan, everybody. Like, the, the vegan at one point uh, gets uh, held up by people pointing finger guns at him and he's dumb enough to real to, to anyway. It's, it's yeah. I, I think that it's again, a lot of people have copied this poorly. Uh, yes. A lot of this stuff has made it into books that really shouldn't, fit this at all um you do get uh you, you get a lot of different characters you get a lot of different things but it's it's this is a fun this is a fun title it's it's, yeah. that, it's the word the keyword is it's fun when i read this uh, again i'm like oh, i remember i remember why i enjoyed this this is just lighthearted and it's fun and it's some silly stuff and it's uh you know there's some really detail and complexity to the art at different times this is this is uh this is enjoyable i, I yeah. can't argue no, it's it's great for that stuff. It's um it's not preachy. There's there's no lesson here in terms of you need to be a, a better member of society and, and do these sort of things. It's just like, you know, like just you got to be yourself and and do the right thing kind of stuff. You know, like the, 
it's lessons like that. There's no preaching in terms of characters who are like getting on a soapbox or anything like that. Um, the only kind of preaching is there are people in the book that will be like, Scott, you have to stop being such a miserable prick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's exactly the preaching you're, I mean, the, the women are not all intelligent. The, uh, you know, it's, it's, everybody has flaws. Ramona yeah. has flaws. Uh, everybody is, is got issues. Um, the characters, I mean, you've got multiple, panels of Ramona with lots and lots of cleavage. I mean, there's just here. It's, oh, no. Envy um, Adams is portrayed as not being a good person. Yeah. Um, you know, Stacy Pilgrim, you're, you're kind of left to your own devices, like, if you like her or not. Um, you know, she's mm -hmm. just this kind of, like, nosy kind of character. Um, you know, Knives is, you know, this character is, like, you know, you, you feel bad. She's kind of been manipulated in, in some ways, but um, they they also go out of their way to show that you know knives is also at fault to an extent. Um, once the breakup happens, you know no one made her become this like stalkery kind of character. No one tried to push her to decide the best idea was to try to challenge Ramona. Like it's it's complicated characters. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I, that's that's a, something I appreciate. Again, that I don't think gets transferred over to a lot of other books that are using this as their template. Is these characters have very, very fleshed out personalities and and complexities, and there's they they stay true to their characters. They're not just there for one note jokes. And so, as people have have copied this book, I think they they want to just take the highlights and kind of self-insert things at different times. It's, I don't know. I, I think if you give it a shot, I, I enjoy this book. I think it is one of the the nicer things. It reminds me a lot, again, of, of Rumiko Takahashi. So if you, you if you remember those with fondness, this is as close as you're going to get probably to that. Um, definitely made a ton of money. Definitely was adapted poorly by others. Um, but it's it's fun. I, I like this book. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, if, uh, if something like second sounds more your speed when we were talking about that, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd, I'd suggest doing that in, yes, instead of second, Scott Pilgrim. Seconds is really quite good. Um, especially yeah. if you like uh, Mayasan uh, Aikoko, this uh, seconds is really, uh, really fills that, that need, I think. Yeah. But, but I, I definitely um, would say, you know, uh, Scott Pilgrim's also, it's not that much of a commitment. It's six books or three now. Mm -hmm. um it, it's so widely available you you can find them at a decent price somewhere no matter how you want to read it um it, it is a phenomenon it was a phenomenon um yeah. it's i you, you know in, in terms of uh you, you know being more of a downer now i don't know the next time we're going to see a creator get that big off of an original idea. Yeah. I agree. I, 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 there's nothing that's coming close to it right now. And maybe the conditions are such that it's going to be hard for it to happen. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, um, th there are some people like, you know, Kirkman, who, who's a big name. I don't know if Kirkman could get, a line like some of the lines that you might have seen earlier that that we showed or, or that kind of excitement at a bookstore i don't know who has that kind of yeah. buzz at all i don't think anyone right now has yeah. 
that ability who's currently doing comics with an original IP, you know, it would be one thing to be like, oh, we got James Tynan doing a, a signing before the Batman movie and like ha- we're going to have, you know, the Twilight guy there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that. But like for an original yeah, IP, we, yeah, we talk about how there are some really good books out there um, that, that people are doing that are original IP. And, you know, I'm not trying to single anyone out, but I can't think of any of these bigger books where you're going to have a city block or so, you know, wrapped around with people who cannot wait to yeah. meet Brian Lee O'Malley. No, I mean, and definitely not for an original IP. I, I think Kirkman obviously has made it very big and, and as a success of what he's done. But again, Scott Pilgrim outsold it in terms of the comic and the graphic novels. Yeah. Um, on at Marvel and DC, I mean, the, the biggest names, I mean, at Marvel, you have your Jason Aaron's, your Donnie Cates, your even Jonathan Hickman. Um, they're, they're successful, they're popular, but they don't, they, they wouldn't get the kind of lines you're seeing in these videos right now. Yeah. Um, not on yeah. their own. And that's yeah. with the benefit of having the X-Men behind you or, or Spider-Man or the Avengers, or what have you. This is, this is something that came completely out of nowhere. Um, no characters you knew. I mean, very, very, very popular, very, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, 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 that is kind of a downer. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we can get this. I mean, I'm sure something like this will happen again, but the conditions are different now. I think it would be harder yeah. for this to happen. And I think if uh, if anyone's out there listening to this and wants to break into comics and, and is working on their own original IP, I think it's crucial you read something like Scott Pilgrim yes. and understand how you know, even if you're not doing a story remotely close to something like Scott Pilgrim, the way he's able to quickly distill characters and make people like them. Yeah. You know, there are people before that movie came out who are like cosplaying online, waiting to meet Brian Lee O'Malley because these characters are so yep. fleshed out and the way they're fleshed out is all through the lens of Scott and how they interact with him. And understanding how to do that in a comic is part of how you can stand out and be successful in this field. So that's great advice. And I think it's, it's very true. Um, You know, it's, you may, as a, as a person really love Craven's last hunt. You and I both do. Yep. Um, Very obviously a ridiculously different book from Scott Pilgrim. Uh, But if you're going to set out to create comics, I think you need to read, you, de- you need to read both. You definitely need to read stuff like this because what you say, I think the, the ability to quickly translate a character, I think the, the kind of the intangible, the way to make a product that's going to be market savvy and, and, you know, appeal to a wide audience. O'Malley pulled it off. Again, maybe you sit here and you grit your teeth and you hate every page. Cause it's just, it's not for you. You have to kind of look at it with a different eye of saying, why is it that he was able to make this go? Because he's he's been able to make this successful where nobody else is able to. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at the sales, when you look at how successful this book was, it's very clear that the audience was wider than just people that absolutely already love this kind of stuff. Right. There is There is stuff in here for people who might not normally pick up these kind of books. Absolutely. I, I think the the audience that I think this gets stereotyped is for, 
uh, are buying comics right now, but those are the comics that are selling in the five to 20,000 range. This, this book far exceeded that. So what was different? What was he able to pull off and, and, uh, why was he able to get this communicated? Because the success was happening before the movie. The movies absolutely helped and the games and everything that followed. But this title was selling, uh, I, I remember with reprints and other things, this was selling in the Civil War numbers for a book at one point. Yeah. And just, you got to kind of, <laughs> it's, it's not that just all the SJWs came out and bought this one book and then left. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the just it's it's silly on the surface i i hate that term absolutely no it's 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 a terrible term but um but yeah if uh if you've been putting off reading uh something like scott pilgrim and you don't quite get it or understand it like this is it's it's an enjoyable book that understands characterization and understands how to leverage stakes appropriately Mm -hmm. and um you know, again, beyond just reading it for characterization, understanding how to have your stakes matter, even if life and death doesn't matter, even if these other things don't matter, you need to create stakes that people can get behind and want, like care about what's going to happen. And right now we're in a world with the big two where everyone is very stupid and just acts like, oh, death never mattered when it actually did not that mm-hmm. long ago in big two comics. Oh, for sure. And even though it doesn't anymore because of the constant reboots and all of that, you still have to figure out a way to have stakes that people care about. And Scott Pilgrim, again, amazing job at life and death not mattering and all these other things and doing these silly sort of bits throughout this book. But the stakes are still high. Yep. Absolutely. Well, in, anything else? Uh, I, I, again, I, I recommend you go pick it up. Even if you're like, you, you, you absolutely positive for sure. You've never read it, but you're sure it's not for you. Again, you want to work in the industry. You want to see, and I also think it's helpful to, to see, see the origin point to what a lot of people did. And as you're reading it, just keep track of how people have adapted this poorly. <laughs> Cause hey, that's a fun game in and of itself. <laughs> oh, it, it absolutely is. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the game. I, I was all in on uh, yep. Scott Pilgrim. I didn't get on the hype train till like the fifth book came around when the fifth book was out. Um, y- you know, it happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can't always be there at the ground floor. But, uh, you know, I, I saw the movie in theaters, uh, I think four times. I only paid twice. But, you know, I had all different friends who wanted to go see it and, you know, ended up. Uh, going multiple times. I, I, I bought the game when that came out, you know, downloaded it and played that a bunch. It was something I, I played with a, a lot of friends. It, it was uh, a good time uh, for me and, and good memories. Um, it makes me, uh, you know, sad that I'm talking about these as memories because, you know, 2010, <laughs> 2011 doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it was. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> No, it's, you know, it's fine, but it's just like, wow, this is really like, I, I really something. I enjoyed this. I, I legitimately enjoyed this series. Uh, but I remember my first reaction um, seeing this was, uh, why are they ripping off uh, Yatsura? Which takes you back to 78. So there you go. You can be. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can go older and more pathetic. 
as I have. Um, anyway, yeah. well, well, good stuff, Joe. Thank you very much for walking through this. Again, I hope people give it a shot. And um, and yeah, what 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 do you want to do next? What kind of book do you want to walk through next? No problem. Um, there, there's a few things because uh, this was one of the early ones we talked about doing, yeah. and it just took us months to get here. Um, yeah. You know, I know we've we've talked about new Teen Titans. We're going to have to do that at some point. Yeah, soon. We have to do Titans. Um, you know, I, I still want to do Judge Dread the Cursed Earth. Mm, yes, um, that that's a really good one. Um, you know, there's there's a few other things uh, that that I know are going to come up. I'm trying to think if some other people have brought some well, some other issues up. for uh, for some of the Roy Thomas work over at Marvel the the both Spider-Man and Cap runs I think uh, yeah um yeah you know um I feel like uh Angleheart um I'm, mm. I'm a big Angleheart fan I I might um you, you know uh De Avengers Defenders War that mm -hmm. being the first like real crossover that's a great uh, idea I, I think would be yeah that that I think would be a lot of fun um you know, I, I definitely want to go over uh, some of the, you know, Mark Grunwald's cap, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's another guy that is, oh, my God. It's just like uh, people always, you know, you talk about Chris Claremont uh, X-Men. We also have to do Fall of Mutants. We've, the Fall of the Mutants we've talked about doing for yes. for a while. We, we yeah. have to pull the trigger yeah. on that. and just That's an easy that. one. That's a, that's a nice quick one to do. So. Yeah, so we definitely have to do that. But, um, you know, Grunwald being on Cap for about 11 years and editing it uh, before that even, um, it's hard to find someone who had as long of, like, a consistent run on any character in like the since, like, the Bronze Age and, and forward, okay. other than maybe, like, Carrie Bates on, like, The Flash. But, but I think Mark wrote more issues of Cap than Carrie Bates wrote of the Flash. I'd have to double check. It's if not, it's, it's close. Yeah, it's, it'd have to be really, really close. Uh, if not, yeah, those all sound great. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to those. Thanks everybody for listening, and um, and yeah, we'll we'll do this again soon. Sounds great.